Hey, uh, let's get this out of the way, right? This is some stuff. What does a uh, sheep say? Everyone, what does a sheep say? Very good. What does a goat say? Oh, there we go. I was waiting for that. Oh, <laughs> very good. From a certain song, I think uh, we're familiar with, thanks to the sound man up the back there. But uh, good evening, everybody. It's great to have you in church. If I don't know you, you don't know me. My name's Steve Fitzalan, senior minister here at Door of Hope Christian Church, have been for many a year and uh, still loving the journey as we uh, help build what God said he would build, and that's the church, and the gates of hell will not... Very good, very good. Well, we're in this series. Let's get on with this. If we can go to our series. In fact, let's let's just go back a slide, please. This is good, this is good. you can go back. Very, yeah, there it is. Uh, if you've got um, a smartphone, feel free to, to take that out. Uh, notepad, feel free to take some notes and uh, get into it. But uh, we've also got the app there, the uh, version app. But uh, we can move on to the next slide. Parables, stories to live by. We're doing a series in this, in this 10 a.m. Um, uh, service called Psalm Songs to Live By. What a great service it was this morning. And then, in fact, we're going to flip that in a couple of weeks' time. We're going to do the same messages morning and night, if you know what I mean about that. And so uh, this series stories to live by these are amazing stories by jesus sorry about that sorry about that i'll try to be still um sorry <laughs> amazing story let me start again these are st- these are stories by jesus um and uh, they're amazing stories that he crafted these each and every parable each and every story with a purpose and every parable tells us i think three things i think each parable tells us firstly what god is like yeah, and what? Secondly, what the kingdom of God is like, but also I think it gives us instructions in how to live as followers. What what does it teach us? First thing, what God is like. Very good. What the kingdom of God is like, and instructions in how to live as His followers. Now, most par- parables, if you read the parables of Jesus, you'll find that each parable tends to have a little bit of a twist that comes alongside. And so uh, uh, it tends to take you by surprise. And I imagine, I imagine when the disciples heard this, this particular parable, they were a little shocked, all right? They were a little shocked. This is, in fact, the parable of the sheep and the goats, which we just kind of heard this little fun kind of clip there before. But it's found in Matthew chapter 25. So if you have your Bibles, smartphones, feel free to open them to Matthew chapter 25. This is one of the most intense word pictures that you are going to see in all of Scripture. So this tonight comes with a little bit of a warning. It gets quite graphic. It's quite confronting. And we're going to get a little heavy here tonight. Is that all right? We're going to get a little heavy. I'll try to keep it light as well. I'll try to keep that balance. But we're going to get a little heavy here tonight. So Matthew, we're in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24 and 25, mostly in chapter 25. But Matthew chapter 24 and 25 are significant chapters in the entire Bible. In chapter 24, Jesus is having this this dialogue This dialogue with his disciples, those who are following him closely. And this dialogue was about the last days. If you're there in chapter 24, feel free to have a quick look at it. And in verse 3, verse 3, he has this private conversation. You ever had a private conversation with somebody? Well, this is what Jesus is doing. He's having this private conversation with those who are most close uh, to him. And in verse 3, don't go ahead too quickly. Verse 3, this private conversation, he says, His disciples came to him, what? privately and said tell us Jesus when will all this happen what sign will signal your return 
and to the end of the world? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? And so, in chapters 24 and chapters 25, he begins to lay out for them what the last days will look like before he returns to this world. Now, there are signs. He goes on. I won't go into it all tonight, but there are signs. Signs of war, signs of um, famine, and signs of earthquakes. Wars. Are there any wars going on in our world at the moment? There are. There are. In fact, 108 million people died in the 20th century from wars. Earthquakes. They say, they say earthquakes, it's about 20,000 earthquakes each and every year. In fact, they actually say it's a million but they just don't record them all. And so there are a few earthquakes going on in our world at the moment. Uh, there are also famines in the world. In fact, uh, s- countries that are suffering from famine in our world at the moment, Nigeria, at this very moment, Nigeria, Somalia, South Sudan, and Yemen. They're just a couple of, uh, of countries who are suffering from famine as we speak. People not eating and being nourished by food. So these are the signs Jesus was talking about. Wars, earthquakes and famines but he said that's just the beginning if you read chapter 24 that's just the beginning in fact you are going to be hated because of me (laughs) welcome to christianity you're going to be hated because of me Uh, not only that they're going to be things like false prophets this is jesus speaking privately to the disciples they're going to be false prophets throughout the world and uh, we won't go into that. But these are the kind of things he's saying to his disciples. And I wanted to mention this because we live in the midst of culture and society, don't we? That doesn't consider the last days. We are consumed by the now. And uh, as Jesus moves into chapter 25, so we move from 24, they're the kind of things that Jesus and the disciples are having this private conversation about. Um, and he moves into chapter 25 and he brings clarity right at the start. If you flick it over a page or press the button on your smartphone, you'll see, it uh, depends on what translation, this is a story about what the 10 virgins, or another translation would say the 10 bridesmaids. So it's a story that Jesus goes on in his conversations with the, with the disciples. And the ten uh, bridesmaids, or ten virgins, says uh, there are f- five wise ones and five foolish ones. So he's kind of saying to the disciples, will you be foolish or will you be wise in your preparation for my return? Okay? Uh, he's kind of summing that up. He's saying, be alert and be ready uh, for my return. And then he goes on, another parable. What's the next? Anyone got the Bible open? What's the next, par- next parable? Parable of the talents. Very good, Andrew. (laughs) Parable of the talents it is. Long story cut short, he's saying to be productive with the gifts that I have given you until I return. Okay? Be wise, don't be foolish, and be productive with the gifts that I have given you. It's in verse 31 we're going to focus on tonight. Everyone say verse 31. Verse 31. It's in verse 31 that he lays out what I'm going to call tonight... She's very good. She's moving ahead of time. It's the sovereignty of the Savior. This is the sovereignty of the... What's sovereign mean? It means His power and His authority. This is His power. This is Jesus' power and His authority. So He's really building up to something significant here. He's about to share with the disciples. He's painting a picture of what it's going to be like at the end of history, at the end of His story. This is Judgment Day. This is judge, I'm getting a little heavy, all right? So this is when everyone is appearing before the king and the king is about to decide who's in 
and who's out. And in verse 31, it says this, but when the Son of Man, let's just stop there for a moment. When Jesus was referring to himself, he'd often refer to himself as the Son of Man. Now, you've got the Son of Man and you have the Son of God. Jesus would often, more than anything else, refer to himself as the Son of Man. Why? Because this implies his humanity. All right, I'm about to get somewhere. Hang in there. This implies his humanity. Yet the Son of, Son of God implies his deity. And what I mean by that is this. It's both divine and human. Hang in there. Verse 31, but when the Son of Man comes in his what? Glory. We sang about that. Do you hear that in song number two tonight? We sang about his glory. It's what my heart longs for, I think what it says. Your glory is what my heart... Hang in there, hang in there. Verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his what? In his glory and all the angels with him. You read how many angels coming in, in uh, Revelation chapter 5. And all the angels with him. Then he will sit upon his what? His glory, his glorious throne. <laughs> No more debates on whether or not he is the saviour. No more contradictions. No more politics. No more fighting. No more wars. No more famines. This is it. He will establish his kingdom. This is the sovereignty of the saviour. Let's go back to that word glory just for a moment. Because in verse 31, what did it say? But when the Son of Man comes in his glory. You see, when we often think of Jesus, we usually think of him in his glory flesh not in his glory we often think of him in his flesh he walked lived breathed amongst us in his we, we read the stories and through scripture we don't often refer to jesus in his glory and here he is referring to himself in his glory but jesus walking and living amongst us isn't in his glory he emptied himself of that. Philippians chapter 2. He emptied himself and took the form of a man. He was God in all his glory, but he didn't hold on to that. The Bible teaches us that he emptied himself of his glory and took the form of a man. What did he empty himself of? His glory. His glory. Now the reason he emptied himself is that it would have been overwhelming for us to have stood in His presence and in His holiness. And because of that, He comes to earth and He empties Himself of His, say it with me, glory. So when He returns, it will be in all His glory. You've got it. And so He, starts to, he begins to separate those on His right and those on His left are we ready to go there okay hang in there verse 32 to 34 says this all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats he will place the sheep at his right hand and his goats at his left then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Try to imagine it just for a moment if we could. Try to imagine, just forget that. Try to imagine just if we could, just for a moment, what that's going to be like. Here we have the Son of God in all of His glory 
with millions of angels surrounding him. This is epic, and he's separating the sheep from the goats. Is there more? Is there more? An intense scene in all of Scripture. Hmm. Okay, let's just get a little bit lighter just for a moment if we could. Let's just come out there for a moment. Um, let's go to the next picture if we could. We got some sheep, we go to the next one, and we'll just come back and forth a little bit. So we got some sheep, we've got a goat, okay? We've got a goat. This is what Jesus is saying in his story. He's separating those, the sheep from the goats, right? I, I just, I have to think, think about this in my preparation, about the difference between a sheep and a goat. And there are clear differences. And maybe, maybe, this is what Jesus is getting at, that the sheep produce something that is beneficial to people. Clothing warmth a goat does not get sheared because its hair is not beneficial you see when you're a goat it's all about my life it's all about my career it's all about my job it's all about my clothes it's all about my house where a sheep benefits other people okay another one sheep are hornless goat Well, a goat has horns. That means sheep are harmless, while goats can cause and will do harm. The the goat fights its own battles, while the sheep depend on the shepherd for its own protection. The sheep grazes in the green grass, head down while the goat eats from the above tree. The difference between pride and humility You see, when a sheep walks around, its tail is down, and when a goat walks around, its tail is up. I'll let you figure that one out. Maybe tonight at midnight when you... Anyway. A sheep is dependent and easily led, but stays with the flock, and a goat is independent. It wanders, doing its own thing, its own boss. A sheep keeps its eye on the shepherd, knowing that they need to be around others. They need to be in community to get to where they need to get to. Let me read this again. We can go back to verse 31. Is that all right? We can go to the next slide, please. All the nations. Here we go. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the what? The sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those in his, on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Once again, just imagine that moment just in this time just imagine that just for a moment come take your inheritance that which i had created since well from the creation of the world now i'm sure the disciples had ideas who were in and who were out it was quite easy for them to figure it out this out as jesus was speaking i'm sure things were going through their mind as i'm sure they're going through our minds of course the jews are the the, the jews they're okay the Gentiles, maybe not. This is what the disciples said. Well, those Roman oppressors, they're certainly out. The oppressors, they're gone. The Romans are gone. Um, uh, maybe um, uh, the Pharisees. The Pharisees. 
We know where they're going. What about tax collectors? We certainly know where they're going. What about the prostitute? We know where they're going. And if you and I were honest here tonight, we'd have the same kind of opinion. Maybe those who lived morally um, good lives, we know where they're going. Those who represented a certain political party, we know where they're going. Those who are uh, certain footy fans, a certain football fan, well, teams, we certainly know where they're going. <coughs> By the way, it's, it's a hugger Richmond supporter and a Melbourne supporter day to day. And if you're a pastor and you came to church every week where well, you're in and you came once a month, you're out. Did I really just say that? <laughs> but here's the surprise. Here's the twist. And it's found in verse 35. And it says, For I was hungry, this is Jesus, and you what? You fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a... Help me out here. I was a very good. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me... I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Verse 40, it's not on the screen. Don't worry up the back there. Verse 40 says this, And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, you were doing it to me. And here's the surprise, and it's this, that on judgment day, on judgment day, when the decision is being made about who's in and who's out, it comes down to how you and I treated the poor and those who were in need. And the disciples were stunned. It was like the deer looking in the light, the headlights. Wow. Did, you, did, you just, did, did he just say that? What did he say? And the king will, will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, you were, were doing it to me. You see, what Jesus was doing here was telling the truth of the matter. And the truth of the matter was this, that when you give to the poor or to the least of these, it's exactly, it's exactly like you gave to me as it was if I was starving and you fed me. He didn't say you cared for them. You cared for me, Jesus is saying. And the disciples are just, oh dear, what have we done? <laughs> you see, it's rewarding enough, isn't it? to help someone in need. But this is telling us, well, let's take that up a notch. It's in fact Jesus that we fed. It's, it's Jesus that we clothed. It's Jesus that we invited. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Remember, Jesus invites these people to inherit his riches, inherit his, and the reason that he invites them in, he says that I was hungry and you fed me. That's why I'm letting you in. Let's pause there for a moment. There's been a lot of debate about this particular parable over, I would say, many, many, many years. Because in a way, if you think about it, isn't it saying, doesn't it sound like that we were actually working for our salvation? That's the argument. That we're actually doing something to earn these riches. We're doing something to earn our inheritance. Now, if that's the only passage you read in the entire scripture, maybe so you would come to that conclusion. But we also understand through many other Bibles, um, uh, understand throughout the Bible, it says in many other places, that it's through our belief and our acceptance our belief and our acceptance of Jesus, our belief in God and our acceptance of His Savior that we are saved. And because of that, it, it dramatically affects the way that we live and the way that we 
love. Our salvation is not by works. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that for whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting eternal life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 says, For it is by grace, everyone say grace, Grace, for it's by, sorry, Grace, it's not there. Anyway, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You see, if it was by works, guess what? We're going to boast. But it's not by works. You know, I fed so many people. Let me in. God says, no, no, it doesn't work like that. For all have sinned, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There it is. Did you hear that word? Of what? Of the flesh of God, of the humanness of God. No, no, no. Of the glory of God. We all fall short of the glory of God. That's why Jesus emptied himself and went upon the cross to die for all humanity. Nowhere in Scripture, by the way, does it say that you can erase your sins by doing good deeds. Nowhere. You won't find it. Why? Because it's grace through faith. Grace through faith. And true faith manifests itself in actions. Just read the book of James, by the way. I won't go into that, but the book of James talks to us about that. So, this parable is a description, not of people saying that I'm going to feed this person so I can get to heaven. No, no, no. That's not their motivation. But this is a description of people who live transformed. You know these stories we've been sharing about hope and transformation? These are stories about people who live a transformed life by grace, through faith, and the way they now live their life has been dramatically affected. By the way, Jesus doesn't get them focused on end times. I think it's an important thing to remember, right? Through these passages that we've been reading tonight. No, 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 no. He gets them focused on how to live between the now and the return. End times are coming and they'll come when he's ready, when the Father is ready. But if that doesn't motivate you, maybe, maybe, this next verse might. And it's this. Verse 41 says, and it's quite confronting, by the way. It says this. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones. Into the eternal fire prepared for who? For the devil and his demons. That's who hell was prepared for. We have a choice. And we're not Muppets, and He won't control us. But we have a choice whether to do the dance of life with or without Him. And I never want to hear those words, I don't know about you, out of the mouth of Jesus directed at me. I think the motivation for Jesus to share such a, a parable with His disciples was in fact to challenge His disciples. So to think about how they were treating the poor and how they were treating the needy at the particular time. This parable is not a parable, as I've already mentioned, on how to get saved. Why? Because it's not by works. But once you are saved, once you know the living God, it's like, it's like when, if you get hit by a bus, God forbid, by the way, if you, get hit by, you know you've been hit by a bus, right? <laughs> right? I think you'd know that. <laughs> but when you are saved, you know you're saved. And you live out of that salvation. And it transforms your life, which affects the way you live. So what's our response as I wrap this up tonight? What's our response to a parable 
like this. I've got three just quick responses, and it's this. The first one is this. I think this parable teaches us to open our eyes, maybe our hearts, even a little bit more. I think it's what this parable does, because if that truly is Jesus starving, if that truly is Jesus uninvited somewhere, if that truly is Jesus who needs to be clothed, can I just sit here so casually and comfortably tonight? Sometimes maybe this one, we need to open our eyes and slow down because we're consumed by the now. We're consumed about my stuff, my stuff, my stuff. And maybe to be a little bit more aware of the needs of people around us. I think the second response to this particular parable is this, is to review and to reflect on our own values and lifestyle. I think it's a good thing to do every now and then, isn't it? Because when you open your eyes, you first open your eyes and see uh, how others are living. We start asking questions, is it really all about me? Or could I truly live a Jesus-centered, others-focused life? Uh, Dr. Charles Birch put it this way. He said, the rich must live more simply so that the poor may simply live powerful statement isn't it it's a powerful statement i think the third thing after we open our eyes and then we do an honest reflection i think the third thing is this i think finally we need to take action i wonder what it is for you sitting here tonight i wonder what it is if you haven't already taken action you see as we reflect on the sheep and the goats as we finish up here tonight the difference the only difference between the sheep and the goats is what they did and didn't do. It's about doing something. It's about doing something in response to the great need that exists in the world. So the challenge for us, and I think here's the big challenge, the biggest challenge for us is this, is to actually see Jesus in each and every person that you and I interact with. I think that is the biggest challenge that faces you and I. But when the parable is done, there are two questions that we all have to ask ourselves, and it's this. Am I a sheep or a goat? And is there enough evidence to convict me? That's the parable, don't shoot the messenger. That's the Word of God to us tonight. The Word of God is alive and is active. I want to pray for us in regards to this tonight. Let's pray. Because maybe, maybe you're here tonight and maybe somebody brought you along. Maybe here for the very first time and maybe wondering what this is all about. And maybe this whole Jesus thing and the sheep and the goats thing has really gotten to your heart. And I have a question for you. I have this question for you tonight as we keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed. Have you accepted Jesus for who He is, the Lord and Savior of your life? Have you accepted Him into your heart and into your life? Because I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that right now if you haven't already done so. Remember that, that passage in Romans that says that for all have fallen short of God's standards. All of us have fallen short of God's standards. And so Jesus came and died 
for our sins so that instead of um, getting what we deserve, we can receive forgiveness and we can have life everlasting. All you have to do is to accept Him. Accept Him into your life and to surrender to Him right now where we are. And so just in a moment, we're all going to pray just a short but powerful prayer that asks Jesus to come into our lives and forgive us for the times that we have fallen short of His standards and to take control of our lives. So if everyone could just repeat this prayer after me, even if you've done this before, just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, thank you for what you did for me on the cross. Thank you that you have forgiven my sins. Come on, everyone. And given me a fresh start. Please come into my heart. Take control of my life. And help me be more like you. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate and give thanks to God? Maybe for those people who did that for the first time tonight. And maybe that was you here tonight. If you prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, we'd love to get a Bible in your hands. We'd love to connect with you. Maybe you brought somebody along here tonight. We'd love for you to start that and continue that conversation with a friend here tonight. Just before the band coming, in fact, the band, feel free to come up and lead us, I think, in our final song. I think we're going to do that tonight. Can I just say, just uh, you know, we've got a little bit heavy here tonight. We're talking about these kind of things. Can I just say I'm so proud. This brings me kind of a proud moment to kind of share with our volunteers and our staff here because we could have so easily have been a comfortable church and uh, we decided not to we've become a church not just for our own benefit but making a great difference in our city and I'm so grateful as I shared, shared a prayer time you know, I'm so grateful to be around a group of people who do what God asks us to do I'm so blessed to serve a church who has a sheep mentality to be a blessing to others not to be a taker to be a contributor not to be consumers And so every year as a door of hope, we literally help hundreds, if not thousands of people through our counseling, through hampers, through food pantry, through Mad Wills, through Levi House, through Skype prison visitation, through superheroes camps, through welcome desks, through Glenara Lakes, through playground, through storage, through Alpha. I'm sure I've missed something, by the way, and I'm so sorry. But it's given us a great reputation in the life of our city. You see, every time we look at another person, ultimately, it's as if we see and serve another person ultimately it's if we are doing it for Jesus my prayer is that may Matthew 25 be at the heart of Door of Hope Christian Church in Jesus name Amen